Welcome to the gathering at Adel. We're so glad that you joined us for Resurrection Sunday. Today we will look at why the resurrection of Jesus Christ matters. I know it's Easter and everybody has plans and stuff to do today. We're going to try to set this right there and maybe it won't move. And, but I can assure you, my wife has a very subtle signal to let me know. Points at the watch. Hey, move it along. All right. So don't worry. You won't have to look at your watch. You won't have to look back. I have one there, but more importantly, I have my wife to keep me honest. You know, we, we talk about today, we, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And really, when we truly get it, we'll see that we're living with so much more than we're allowing to operate inside of us. You see that so many times that we restrict the flow of the Holy Spirit in us and through us by our own fears, by our own choices, sin. But when we understand that the same Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of us, that that. Death cannot hold him, but death cannot hold you either. You see that the threat of death used to be something that the enemy could have over us. But, but now death is nothing. Paul said to, to die is gain and to live is Christ because to live on this earth is for the Lord because it would be much better for you to be able to be standing before the Lord face to face, not having to deal with what you have to deal with. When we understand that we live the resurrected life because of Jesus, because it says that if we've been buried with him in baptism, then we've been raised to life with him also. It says that we, if we suffer with him, then we will be raised to life with him also. You see, but that race to life isn't just for the eternal life, the, the eternal hope, but it's, it's for the now. To be raised to life now means to be walking in the power and the authority. Why did Jesus have to descend into Hades to get the keys of the kingdom back? Because through the sin of one man, we surrendered everything back over to the enemy. You see that God created the heavens and the earth and he put Adam in the middle of the garden. And he said, here it is, I want you to rule over it, take dominion over it, over the, the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, and the fish of the sea. Everything is under your control. But through the one sin of one man, he surrendered it all back. And the resurrected life, the resurrected Jesus means that now I hold the keys to the kingdom again. That the enemy is not in charge. He doesn't get to tell me, nope, this isn't for you. This is off limits. You're not worthy of that. There was a guy, uh, a wealthy billionaire by the name of Howard Hughes, uh, lived in the mid-20th century. Makes it sound so long ago. It really wasn't. Like 1940s, 1950s. Billionaire, had everything. Achieved success that hadn't been matched. But he was afraid of everything. He was terrified of germs. He was terrified of people. He had all the money in the world. 
And yet he never left his room. He, he, he went to a hotel and he, he got so terrified to leave that he just bought it. <laughs> That'd be nice. It says that he was so terrified that, that the, the shades would be darkened. He wouldn't leave his room for months and months and years on end. He, play, he would have the same movie going over and over. Refused to cut his hair, cut his nails. He became just a shell of who he was created to be. And yet you see that he had everything. But yet he didn't walk in that. He died a lonely old man that had shut everyone out of his life. You see, the resurrected life, the, the resurrection of Jesus now gives us the power and the authority to rule and reign. But yet so many times we operate just like he did. We stay inside of our shell because we're afraid of what people are going to say. People are going to make fun of us. Or we're going to pray for someone for healing and it's not going to work. We, and we don't know why and we can't explain it. So we'd rather just not pray for them at all. But the resurrected life, we celebrate Resurrection Sunday because of what he did for us. Not only did he raise from the dead, but he came back and he took the, king, the keys to the kingdom and he said, I have given you all power and authority. Go into all the earth and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You see that there, there should be a difference living the resurrected life as Jesus did. We're going to read, if you want to turn to Luke chapter 24. We're going to read verses 1 through 12. Let me just pray for the kiddos while, while you guys are turning since they're down there in the fellowship hall. Father, we just pray for the kids today. Father, pray for the workers down there. May, may it be an impactful Sunday. Father, we declare it's not babysitting or child care, but Father, it's sowing seeds of the kingdom into the next generation. Father, we pray that what's being said there today, what's being talked about, would take root. Thank you, Lord, that your word says it does not return void or empty, but that it accomplishes the task that is set out before it. So, Father, we pray for those seeds to be sown. Father, we thank you for our workers down here in both and all three classrooms. Father, may they be blessed today. Thank you for giving them the heart to serve on Easter Sunday. We love you. We love you. May your word sharpen us today. May you be revealed today. We love you. Amen. Luke chapter 24, it says, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came to the tomb, bringing the spices they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. They, they went in but did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men stood by them in dazzling clothes. <laughs> That's the Christian standard Bible. Yours might say something different. Stood by them in dazzling clothes. The women were terrified and bowed down to the ground. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Asked the men. 
He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, it is necessary that the Son of Man be betrayed into the hands of sinful men, be crucified and rise on the third day. And they remembered his words. Remember from the, or returning from the tomb, they reported all these things to the 11 and to the rest. Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them were telling the, the apostles these things. But these words seemed like nonsense to them, and they did not believe the women. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. When he stood to look in, he saw only the linen cloths. He, so he went away amazed at what had happened. Jesus, God's eternal son, present at creation, came into the flesh to be a mediator between God and man. He lived the life of the perfect righteousness that all have failed to live. He died as a lamb led to slaughter, offering himself as the perfect sacrifice to atone for the sins of the world once and for all. But the story does not end there. He rose from the grave, defeating death. And he lives still seated at the right hand of the Father, as the appointed heir of all things. The resurrection matters. We put such an emphasis on the cross, and we should, but the resurrection matters. Without the resurrection, it's just Friday. It's not a good Friday. Without the resurrection, then then the penalty and the payment for sin would not be fully atoned. Because without the resurrection of Jesus and, there's no, and his physical body, then there's no resurrection of us in our physical body. Without the resurrection, then what else is there after life? But see, the resurrection matters. Because if, if it's not for the resurrection, then our faith is in vain. Our hope is hopeless. And our lives lack purpose. If there's no resurrection, then there's no purpose in life. You, you can believe in other religions and reincarnation and all the, the nonsense. It's nonsense. The resurrection matters because one day, Jeff Hopkins will get to stand before the Lord Jesus. And according to 1 Corinthians 15, in a new glorious heavenly body. This is not it, <laughs> right? One day. If not then what's all this for? Then, then why are we doing this? Why are we going about this? If, if life, if there's not something after life, this is all just pointless. We, we come together and sing a few songs and you get to listen to me for 40 minutes, an hour, two hours, whatever it is gonna be today, you know? <laughs> I already got one look. But see, the, the resurrection is the climax of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel is the good news It says, for all have sinned and the wages of sin is death and we are all guilty. But the good news is that Jesus came on our behalf and paid the price and the penalty for the sins of the world. Not only did he pay the price, but it says that the wrath of God was satisfied. That that before there was the wrath of God for the punishment of sins. But in the new covenant, the covenant of grace and of mercy. The wrath of God is satisfied. The, the, it's crucial because the resurrection shows that. This is a tricky one. That now the, 
the wrath of God is satisfied. The punishment for sin has already been bore on the man, Jesus Christ. And you can say, so, so does that mean I can just sin since there's no punishment? There's consequences. But the punishment was bore on the back of Jesus Christ. The nails that were driven into his wrist perfectly satisfied the wrath of God. Paul says, well then, it doesn't mean that you get to go on and sin. He says, no, 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 the, the Lord's grace will not be in vain. But he says, where sin abounds, grace superabounds or abounds even more. You see that the resurrection matters because now I, I don't have to fear God. I don't have to, to mess up and think, oh my gosh, he's gonna strike me in any moment. He's just waiting to do that. Or you see, because now with the new covenant of grace and of mercy, he is for us, he is not against us. He has plans to prosper us and to give us hope. The climax of the gospel is the resurrection because he rose from the grave. And now because he resurrects, we get to resurrect also. There's five things today, and we're gonna be short. Why does the resurrection matter? Number one, the resurrection of Jesus matters because by it and through it is the forgiveness of sins. That it's not just the death on the cross that paid for the forgiveness of sins. It was the resurrection of the body. It's his body and blood. It was his death, burial, and resurrection that allows for the forgiveness of sins. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it says, and if Christ had not been raised, your faith is worthless and you are still in your sins. If Christ had not been raised, then you are still in your sins. Because of the resurrection of Jesus, he atoned for our sin and he satisfied the penalty of sin. And since our sins are forgiven, we can walk free of shame and guilt and condemnation. You see, why does the resurrection matter? Because now I can walk free of shame and guilt and condemnation. It says that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That we used to walk in darkness, but now we have seen a marvelous light. And we walk now as children of the light. The resurrection matters. Because now all the things that the enemy used to have on me to weigh me down, to make me never feel like I could measure up are now gone because they've been bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. The forgiveness of sins, it washes us clean. And we have right standing before God. The resurrection matters because now our sins, though they are like crimson, have been washed like snow. The resurrection matters because by it and through it is the forgiveness of sins. But not only is it the forgiveness of sins, but it breaks the power of sin over us. You see, it says that we were once slaves to sin. No choice but to sin. We, you say it, all the, say it all the time. You see it all the time where you get frustrated with people out in the world and they're like, man, why can't they just? Lost people are lost. They have no choice but to respond in anger and frustration and bitterness and unforgiveness. They have no choice but to respond in, in addiction. 
They have no choice other than to cope with what's going on with drugs and alcohol. You see, but now, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the power of sin is broken over us. I'm going to flip real fast. You don't have to, but you can trust me or you can look at it at the same time. But Ephesians chapter 2. One through five, and it says, And you were dead in your trespasses and in your sins, in which you previously lived according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedient. We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts, and we were by nature children under wrath, as the others were also. Here's, the, here's one of the best transitions ever. It says, But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in our trespasses. You are saved by grace. Sin has no power over us anymore. It says that he defeated everything that's come against you. It's in Hebrew, it says that, Hebrews, it says that we have a great high priest who can sympathize with us, that has been tempted in every way that you've ever been tempted, and yet he was without sin. It says that death was the last enemy to be defeated. Everything that's come against you, that has come against you, is coming against you, and will come against you, has already been defeated, and it's subject to, and it's underneath the feet of Jesus. It says that Jesus, after he resurrected, he appeared before the disciples and others, up to 500 people, and it says that he ascended into heaven and he is seated at the right hand of the Father. And it says that, and he waits for his enemies to be made a footstool. He's waiting for the church to rise up and be who he has called her to be. And yet it says at the same time, he sits and his enemies are a footstool. Everything is under the feet of Jesus. The power of sin and darkness are no longer over the Christ followers. From now on, every sin is a choice. Before you were slaves to sin, you had no choice but to sin because that was the way of the world. But now, as sons and daughters of God, we are not slaves to sin, but we are sons and daughters of God. We were buried with him in baptism and we are raised to life with him in the resurrection so that we can walk with him in new life. We were enslaved to sin, but now we are free from sin. The resurrection of Jesus matters because it provides forgiveness of our sins and freedom from our sins. That was one and two. Number three, it says in John chapter 14, verse six, it says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The resurrection of Jesus matters because now we have access to the Father. We can boldly approach his throne of grace and mercy because of the blood of Jesus. I love in Matthew chapter 27 when it's talking about at the end of Jesus' life, he's, out, he's on the cross. And it says that when he breathed his last breath, it says that the ground began to shake. And at that moment that he breathed his last breath and the blood flowed from his side to the ground, it says that the temple, the old way of worship, fell to the ground. It says that the veil that separated man from the presence of God was torn. That, that the resurrection, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ tore the veil, and now access to God 
is for all men. All women. All children. Revelation is full, full of language, of all language, of all, you know, all people of all language, of tribe, nation, and tongue. All color. All have access now to the Father. Before it was ran by the priesthood that was established by God, and the Holy of Holies was a place that they were only allowed to go in once a year to offer up a sacrifice for the sins of Israel for that whole year. They tied a rope around his foot in case something happened. <coughs> and he would die, and they'd have to pull him out. You see, but now... The veil is torn. We have access to the Father. And in his presence, there's not fear of death, but it's life. You see, the message of the cross and of the empty tomb has come to life. Yeah. Ephesians 2.13 says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far off have now been brought near by the blood of Jesus. We were once aliens, foreigners in a land without a home. But now because of the blood of Jesus, we've been brought near to the blood, but to the Father through the blood. We didn't have a home, and now we have a home. We were foreigners, and now we have a family. Why is it crucial? Why does the resurrection matter? Because now there's nothing that separates us from God. There's not a 60-foot-tall curtain that's three foot wide that separates us, and we're only allowed one time a year. But you're have unlimited access to the Father. There's nothing that can separate you from him anymore. It doesn't matter fear, sin, sickness, death. We're not separated from him any longer. The blood of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus has now brought us near to him. We have, our pastor at Brock says that you are as close to God as you want to be. There's nothing that separates you except you. I think so many times there's a truth in that Ephesians passage that, that I read. Let me read it to you again. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have now been brought near by the blood of Christ Jesus. So many times we view God as somebody that's far off that we don't understand, we, a concept we can't understand. And we think that the blood of Jesus brought him near to us. But the truth is that God has been here the whole time. And it says that the blood of Jesus brings us near to him. And you can think, why does that matter? Why, why does it matter to have access to the Father? Why, why does it matter that, that we can have closeness and oneness to the Father? Ask your kids what they desire most. I can promise you it's not toys and gifts. Maybe at first, but then when you really grill them, all they want is you. We, we spend all of our time trying to do all of the things for them, but all they want is you and your time. Why is it crucial for us to now have access to the Father? Because all he wants is you. Our one desire in this life should not be get, 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 so that we can do all the things, but it should just, our desire, and it is our inmost desire once we get past all the other stuff, is to be with him. There's a, a guy that, that was in our church at Brock. 
He tells a story of him and his son were rafting down the river. They were on, on an inner tube. All of a sudden, it got really, really bad waters. Their inner tube flips over. And all the guy can do is hold on to his son. And they're underwater for a long time. They don't know where they are. They're trying to figure it out. They finally get up, get out of the water, get on the bank. The dad's terrified. He looks at his son. He says, son, are you okay? He's like, yeah. He said, were you scared? He said, no. Dad's like, how? How were you not scared? He goes, I was in the arms of my dad. I knew nothing was going to happen to me. Why is access to the Father so crucial? Because when you're in the arms of the Father, when you realize that you're in the arms of the Father, nothing else matters. What The enemy wants to throw a cancer diagnosis at you? I'm in the arms of the Father. I, I mean, my, my wife's dealing with, with heart issues, and, and you... And you want to be nervous and you want to be terrified. But when you realize that the Father is there, all you have to do is look at the enemy and say, that's all you've got? Like that's your best shot? You think taking out my wife is going to wreck me and my family? No. It's going to dig us in even deeper. Can you imagine when Jesus was on the cross and the enemy thought that he won? Then he realized at that same moment that the breath of God breathed into Jesus in the tomb, that the enemy realized, oh crap, what have I done? Now the kids are mostly down there. I guess I can say that. Sorry, one over there. <laughs> can you realize the mistake that he thought he made? that he realized that he made? When we have closeness with the Father, nothing else matters. The resurrection matters because it ushered in a new covenant. The old covenant was a covenant of death. The old covenant was based on the blood of bulls and goats and rams. It was based on our actions, but it never saved anyone. It says that the covenant, the law, the old covenant, the law was a covenant of death that no, by, by the law, no one was saved because no one could live up to the rules and the regulations. The resurrection matters because now that is done. Jesus Christ fulfilled the law and he ushers in a new covenant, a covenant of grace and of mercy, of life. It says that for the law was death, but Jesus Christ is life. The resurrection matters because now there is life. You see, in the old covenant, nobody was ever saved. The debt was never paid. There was the blood of bulls and goats and rams. It was a sacrificial sacrifice uh, system. But the blood of bulls and goats and rams never saved anybody. All it did was delay the punishment until Jesus Christ. It, I say it this way, it's the best way that I know how. It's like when you pay for someone with a debit card, 
you didn't really pay for it. You've never bought anything on a credit card. All you have done is delayed the payment 30 days. The credit card does not pay for it. It's you in 30 days. The old system of rules and regulations, the blood of bulls and goats and rams, did nothing. It delayed the payment for thousands of years until Jesus Christ came. And he paid the price. And now because of that, now we can live. Jesus' resurrection ushered in the new covenant. It's not based on our abilities, but it's based on the person and the blood of Jesus Christ. This guy that me and Brady listened to, he says it really great this way. He says, when you brought forth the sacrifice, they never inspected the person bringing the sacrifice. They only inspected the animal. You see that the covenant of grace and mercy has nothing to do with you and me. It has everything to do with the slaughtered lamb, Jesus Christ. And he was pure and perfect and spotless. And so now he ushers in that new covenant. And Paul says it this way, that the new covenant, that the kingdom of God is one of righteousness and peace and joy. It's not a matter of food and drink anymore. It says that all things are permissible now. But it's a kingdom of righteousness peace, and joy. Why does the resurrection life matter? Why does, why does the resurrection of Jesus matter? Because now we can be declared the righteousness of God. We can have a right standing with God. Because now, because of the blood of Jesus Christ, because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, he no longer looks at me and sees my sin, but he looks at me and he sees the finished work of the cross. He sees the blood covers my sin. And when God looks at me, he doesn't see my sin, but he sees the blood of Jesus. It's like the doorposts on the Passover. They didn't inspect the house. The angels didn't walk in and say, okay, who's in here? They walked by and they saw the blood on the doorpost and they said, that's good enough for me. It doesn't matter who's in the house because the blood is good enough. You see, now I can have right standing with God, not because of anything that I've done, but because of who I am in Christ Jesus and all that he has done for me. We can now have peace with him. The kingdom of God is righteousness and peace. Before there was turmoil and there was wrath and there was this fear of who God is and what he's going to do to me. There was never peace in the land, right? They entered into the promised land, but they still had to overtake it. They still had to slay the giants and overcome the enemies that were there. But now we get to enter into a kingdom of peace because it is finished. You, you don't have to slay addiction. It's already been slain. You don't, you, you don't have to strive and, and, and slay cancer. It's already been slayed. Like, it's a covenant of peace. The kingdom of God is of righteousness and peace and joy. He's already done it. He doesn't need you to do anything else. That's contrary to what we think and what we, how we act and how we believe. But it is the finished work of Jesus Christ. He has already done everything. And it says the kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. 
the Christ follower's life because of the resurrection should be full of joy because that is what is in the kingdom of God. It says because in the kingdom of God in heaven, there's no sadness, there's no sorrow, there's no tears, there's no pain. When Jesus resurrected, he brought heaven down to earth. And in the temple of the Holy Spirit, there's joy. In the kingdom of God, there is joy. Does that mean that everything goes right in my life? Absolutely not. But because of what he did on the cross, there's joy. Because whether I'm here or apart, I'm with my Lord. It it, it can seem so wrong to not want to be on this earth. But can you imagine the joy that's going to be before us? We're gonna, you know why we need a new glorious body? Because these bodies can't contain the joy and the love that's going to be there. Our lives as Christ followers, the resurrection of Jesus Christ allows us to operate in the kingdom of heaven, which is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. This is number five. Here we go. The resurrection of Jesus matters because it offers hope and eternal life. If our sins are forgiven, if the power of sin is broken, if we have access to our Heavenly Father, if we have righteousness, peace, and joy, then that's reason enough for hope. 1 Corinthians 15, 19. Let me just read it. I don't want to butcher it because I could easily do that. 1 Corinthians 15, 19. It says, if we have put our hope in Christ Jesus for this life only, we should be pitied more than anyone else. You see that the resurrection of Jesus Christ gives us hope for eternal life. There's something on the other side. Our hope isn't just for this life, but it's for the life after. I mean, can you imagine? If we have put our hope in Christ Jesus for this life only, then we should be pitied more than anybody else. We put so much focus and emphasis on this life and what Jesus can do for me now and, and Man, if I'm living for Jesus, then I can build my kingdom here and I can, I can have the big house and the fancy car and the big 401k and I can do all of that and everything's gonna be great because Jesus loves me. If your hope in Jesus Christ is just for this life, it says that you should be pitied more than anyone else. Absolutely, the resurrected life means that we get to walk in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. But that pales in comparison to what it's going to be like on that day when we get to see him face to face. That, that we have the resurrection of the body. The resurrection of Jesus means that we will be resurrected with him also. And that we get to spend eternity in his presence. I mean, I, I, know, we, I know we have it great here. We're in the great state of Texas. And it's like, how can it get any better than this? Maybe with like some 70 degree days, right? It, it could get better in August. But we hope for that life that's after this. This is is just a fraction of eternity. We're going to spend the rest of eternity in his presence if you choose to. The message of the cross and the empty tomb is to come to life. Sin, when unrepented of, leads to death. 
When we live a life that is void of the life-giving presence of God, no matter what we have, no matter if there's breath in our lungs, we're still dead. The new covenant is one of grace and mercy. Without the resurrection in our lives, we are under the curse of death. Hope and eternal life are fruits of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. My message to you is to, to come to life. Just as Jesus had the breath of life breathed into him, just as he walked in power and authority, just as sin and death and darkness had no hold on him, my message to you today is to come to that same life. The same spirit of God that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives inside of you. Walk in the power and the authority that he's given you. Walk in the life that he has given you, not the death that the enemy tries to give to us. That's my encouragement to you today on this Easter. Father, we love you. May we come to life today. Let the dead things that are in us be gone. Sin, darkness, addiction, worry, pride, let it be dead today and we awaken us now to the life that you have. Father, may we walk in the fullness of your love. May we walk in the fullness of the resurrection of Jesus. And Father, may you receive all the glory and the honor today for this Resurrection Sunday. Amen.